Good morning, everyone. Fantastic day. We're going to continue this conversation about reincarnation, <clears throat> about the afterlife. And we're going to talk about, in this process of reincarnation, our next life or our next body and how that is the continuation of this life. So another way of perceiving or looking at transmigration, which was where we were holding and the conversation that we were having, looking at it maybe in terms of self-development, in terms of spiritual evolution. According to Kabbalah, we are all born with an inanimate soul, a vegetative soul, an animal soul, and a human soul. So again, an inanimate soul, a vegetative soul, an animal soul, and a human soul. These four souls, or maybe we'll say aspects of soul, correspond to the four forms of life, inanimate, vegetative, animal, and human. The inanimate is a reality that is completely closed within itself. It appears as what we say in Hebrew, domem, or silent. There's no apparent movement. There's no apparent vitality. It's completely enclosed within itself. That is domim. That's the inanimate. The vegetative kingdom is more, I'll say, apparently alive. It's vibrating. It's moving. One of my favorite things to look at this time of year is the Canadian wild grass has such a majestic move in the winds. And the rustles of the wind, you see this majestic grass moving. So plants grow, plants expand. So there is a, a certain life to them. But obviously the animal kingdom is more alive than the vegetative. The, the animal kingdom is even more alive. It's, it's teeming with movement. Not only... Do animals grow in their bodies like vegetation, but they also move about freely. They're not planted in one place. But the human being, Kabbalah calls the human being the medaber. Medaber means to speak. The speaking creature is what the human is called. The speaking creature is the highest most complex and revealed level of life. The human exists like stones. It grows like the vegetation. It roams freely like the animals. But it does something else. The human communicates in symbolic language like only humans can. I've always said that I'll believe in another form of the origin of the universe when a chimpanzee starts doing studies on me. The human has the ability to do a study Perhaps the chimpanzee has intelligence, and I'm not taking that away from it. But to get a doctorate and do a study is a different level of intelligence. It takes a certain form of mitaber, of communication. The inanimate soul, as it were, is our basic core reality. It, it represents the minimum spiritual energy that's required to exist. A stone has a soul. 
but it's a very basic, minimum core soul. There's no movement. There's no growth. All that exists within that stone is the will to exist. It's enough to make it a stone. It's enough for it to stay a stone. But that's all that exists within it, is the will to exist. Experientially, it's totally selfish. It's totally ego-based. The more advanced level of soul is our vegetative soul. The vegetative soul is represented by the spiritual energy that propels our physical expansion, like like vegetation. Experientially, the vegetative soul is our survival instinct. Much like the instinct of the tree to bend towards the sunlight, to survive. Even higher than that is the animal soul. The animal soul is reflected in the spiritual energy that allows us to to physically move about the world freely. Experientially, the animal soul is reactive. The animal soul is impulsive. It has intelligence but it's intelligence to survive. It's intelligence to react. Just to digress a moment, whenever we're impulsive or reactive, or maybe both together, we're tapping into that survival animal soul, according to Kabbalah. Our soul reincarnates into the next life according to the level that it will reach during this life. We have free will. What is free will? Free will is the ability to choose our path, to choose which of the souls we want to tap into. Which means, if someone has only lived on the level of vegetation, what does that mean? They expanded, they grew physically, but they're guided completely by their selfish instincts. They're like a selfish tree. I'll say, I don't like to use these kind of metaphors because it's not a it's not an okay moral judgment of trees trees are good i love trees but the tree in its core in its essence is always existing exactly as the creator intended it to be So if the person chooses, or I'll add a little component to this, lack of choice, if the person chooses to live a life that is completely selfish, when they pass away, they will move into a period of vegetation. If someone is impulsive or reactive in their life, If that's the choice or lack of choice they make during their life, then when they pass away, they will move into that period of an animal. They're going to reincarnate into the body of an animal. The reason why the soul may descend into various forms of existence is for the lessons the soul can acquire. Once those lessons have been learned, the soul reattains its purity 
and it's able to enter what we call Gan Eden, paradise, heaven. So, for example, let's say a an arrogant, an arrogant person. One one of the ways that this arrogant, self-centered person can reach their tikkun, can reach their rectification, is by purging themselves of the negativity. How do you do that? By entering into the body of a bee. Why a bee? Because by its very nature, bees live less for themselves and more for the collective, for the hive. So, by residing, by this selfish person residing in the body of a bee, the soul acquires with no other choice because the bee is created exactly as God wanted it to be. No pun intended. So, the soul is going to acquire this very important lesson of selflessness, of sharing of creating honey, of being part of the collective, being part of the hive. And so if the soul couldn't learn that lesson in a human form by its choice, it will be, no pun intended, put into the body of a bee in order to be forced to learn that level of selflessness. Essentially, this kind of soul reincarnation is a kind of cleansing. It's a kind of refinement process. There's a sort, there's a a sort of anguish the soul experiences existing within another form. Beyond the psychological embarrassment that some sources speak of, there's also a genuine discomfort, a genuine disturbance that the soul undergoes due to its inability to express itself fully or even partially. Because while the soul is incarnated into the bee, it doesn't have the ability to have free choice. Body and soul are designed to fit each other. That's the way that the creator designed them. The human body is a physical projection. It's a visible representation of the spiritual structure of the soul. The body is a mirror. It's a reflected image of the soul existing in any other form of existence. It's going to cause great agitation, great upheaval for a human configured soul to exist in a bee. It's still the human soul. It's just going through an incarnation. It's going through a process to learn selflessness. But it's still the same soul. The amount of distress that that soul will experience depends on the quality and the quantity of expression the soul will be allowed to show in its new life. Residing within an animal where it has limited room for expression, as animals have some form of intelligence, They have some form of emotion. It's not as tormenting as, let's say, occupying a stone. Imagine a human soul having to learn and being reincarnated into the soul of a stone. How stifling that could be. Because there's absolutely no, within that, there is no outlet for human self-expression. 
So our job in this world is to use our free choice and to learn and to grow and to develop our nature, our existence, and become the best versions of ourselves so that we don't have to be reincarnated into a stone. But if for whatever reason we don't do that, if we remain selfish during our lifetime, the soul will need to learn how to become selfless. Get ready for the hive. I think about the bee specifically this time of year because I think about the fact that honey has a lot to do with the new year. Rosh Hashanah that's coming up in two weeks. The sweetness of the new year, we dip the apple in honey, the challah in honey, and that perhaps the honey that's created by those bees, it could be that one of those bees is in a refinement process and we're able to elevate that honey and elevate that soul and allow that soul through its selflessness to find peace. And by the way, we do have the ability to interact like that and to bring peace to a soul that's wandering or a soul that's reincarnated and having to learn because during their lifetime they weren't able to learn. Okay, questions. Jill, I knew it. I saw you. I saw your face. Oh, my God. I have so many questions, but I will. So, okay, let's take that totally selfish person. And I think you've touched on something like this before. But people learn from him that how not to be selfish, you know, seeing such a horrible example. So, therefore, that person just by, you know, you, you've used that example of, somebody in prison, you know, there's all these mitzvahs they're doing because basically they have no choice, you know. So does that prevent that person from becoming uh, a stone or a plant or something like that? So that's so that's my first question. Um, okay, so uh, life is fluid, very important, mm-hmm. which means you have up until your last breath to make that change. But say they don't. It's just the other people around so, them which means that, that are learning. Prison, for example, could be a because of a person's choice. They made a choice to be there for most of the time. It could right. be a way to learn that during this lifetime so the soul doesn't have to be reincarnated. But when they leave prison, if they're going to repeat the same experience that they had before, then they, they didn't they didn't learn. So we have our entire lifetime to to do this. So to answer your question, if the person, the fact that that we can find a positivity within that experience, that's our job. Our job is to always look at the positive, right? We're 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 predisposed to look at the negative, so therefore we have to work and look at every situation as the positive. But it doesn't take away from the fact that that soul has a learning to do, and the okay. fact that we learn. What not to do from it is not good enough for that soul. For us, yes. Okay. So somebody gets put into a rock. They last kind of forever, as far as we know. What's their, like, sentence? Like, this is all um, sounding a little far out for me. I'm kind of like... So, so it's, like it's again, life, the soul is fluid. It could be that it'll learn at some point, then it'll find this eternal peace. Because the rock was a shade for a caterpillar. And it learns selflessness by providing something. I'm just giving you an example. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not. There's no such thing in Judaism as eternal damnation. Okay. There's going to be a learning that will happen. The soul will go through that learning and then find its peace in Gan Eden. Right. I just, you know, I think about you know this theory of going into, uh, you know, uh, even a. A plant, even a tree, eventually it's going to die, even if it's hundreds or more years. Right. Rock, okay. I don't know but that. Inanimated. Yeah, yeah. But, but but the soul can can um, experience that for a certain part period of time, and then maybe a, another soul will take its place.
Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay. Uh, I have more questions, but that's, that's, uh, well, <laughs> I will yield the floor at this point. <laughs> you, you can ask more. Uh, no one's written, no one else. Oh. No, I mean, I, it's actually kind of a, a very off topic. And you've mentioned this before about, you know, the theory of evolution, that that's not something you subscribe to that, no, you know. So, so I want to just clarify. I do thank think you. A, that, that a baby evolves into an adult. <laughs> But I don't subscribe to the fact that that's the origin of creation. Evolution happens. We see it all the time. A seed evolves into a tree. I look. Yeah, that's not you, one. Jill, I, yeah. I look behind you, Joe, and I see trees. They were seeds at one point. Evolution definitely exists. I don't think that's the origin of the universe. And so you don't think humans kind of evolved up from Neanderthals and... No, all this evidence we have about showing that I think that there could have been Neanderthals, but it has nothing to do with us. And so they would have died off, and then we started with Adam and Eve. That's the, your, or they could have been after Adam and Eve. Why do why, why does one have to be mutually? Okay, so it's it's a separate kind of yeah. Okay, it's just that what is what is the origin? Where do we, you know? What is the origin? Yeah, Genesis starts at in the beginning. What's the beginning? If you go all the way up, and 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 science has still a lot of a lot of lacking within it. I don't want to go into this conversation too much because yeah. we could at some point, but there's still a lot of lacking even within the process of understanding. We 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 start from here and we date ourselves back, whereas the studies that we're learning here of Judaism and and, and Kabbalah starts from here and moves its way down. So there's a lot of there's there's a lot of value in it, and and it's not black and white it's fluid it's gray yeah. it's, it's it's nuance and i think as adults we're able to see the nuance and so so often the issue that people have with that disparity between science and religion has nothing to do with what it actually is it's the question of in the beginning yes right and it's it's difficult to say think in the beginning was you know 6,000 years ago when at this point we've seen evidence that there was other things before that. Based, so. on our, based on our dating process. Based on our dating process. On our, our dating? Our yeah. evidence is only as good as the information that we have. Which means right now, let's say uh, carbon dating, there, there's a certain accuracy to a certain year but beyond that it's very hard to properly and accurately describe now i mean again there, there, there's a lot of ways of looking at yeah. it uh a lot of you know it could be that 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 those fossils were embedded into the world when it was created for whatever reason there were other Ooh. worlds that were created before this world according to kabbalah i mean we we can go on and on and on this is a whole other topic but, but there is I think our job is, as as humans living in this world, is to create unity and not create conflict. And I think that at some point, okay. there's a it, looking at it through that lens. There's a unification to all the ideas. They're just many rivers to the same destination. I I had you know. Thank you for saying that. Maybe there was other worlds created, and then I, okay. The, the, I think there's many rivers to the same destination. Okay. Thank you. That that helps open my mind a little bit. Thanks. Cheryl. 
I have similar questions to Jill. So if if we were the soul of a rock, not sure that I could even imagine what that looks like. But number one, where does that information come from in terms of Kabbalah, that a rock would have a soul of any kind? The bee I could almost bite into, but the bee's life I don't think is very long. So when that physical body of the bee dies, then yes, I could see that being separated mm. and then going on forever. It's going on for its next journey. Do bees and rock souls ever then reverse and come back into human souls? Of course, it's just a learning. I've, always, I've always questioned. I mean, it's just that it's, was. It's, it's just the, the human soul having a learning that it couldn't learn during its lifetime. Okay. So it could be a short-lived lesson and then a return? Maybe 11 months. <laughs> Why I'm saying 11 months is because part of the refinement process and the cleansing process of the soul after it leaves this world. Oh, right. That, that transmigration. Right. Okay. So the other question then has to do with I don't know. I, so are there other rocks, let's just say, among the rock that has a soul? Are there other rocks that are soulless? Are there bees that were created by God that are just bees are, without yes, souls? Yes. No, but they'll be inanimate souls, which means that they won't ah. be filling with human souls. I know it's going to be hard for that person to have a conversation with the other rocks. I know that you're worried about having people around you. I know you're... I, I know you enough to know that you need to have the people around you. So you're worried. Is there going to be any, any other human souls? I'm not, I'm not so concerned about you becoming a rock. Just saying. Okay. You Thanks for be, that. You have to be <laughs> extremely selfish in this world to become a rock. I mean. Do other rocks recognize each other? Is there, do you think there's a connection between one rock on a beach and another rock on sure. another part? It's funny that you're saying that, that you're wondering that. I'm like, do they wonder how they look? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh Smooth or jagged, right? Look at that bump on my top thing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Julian, please. Thank you. I had a few um, questions, but one of them is the opposite of a bee if you get a person that is they say they don't want to think they don't want to be themselves or they want to lose themselves in a crowd they might join a gang they might go into crime or they might go into the bureaucracy where the individual doesn't really matter or they have what's called yeah. a group think they've all got to think the same way or they get in trouble so what's the reincarnation remedy if that happens? If if the, the, they want to lose not being an individual, they like lose themselves in a group. Well, think about that. The bee. The bee is losing itself in the group, but completely selfless. Um what well, what I mean is they're not they're not doing it to be selfless so that they might think that as a justification but they actually hate being alone that, that they want to go into a um that they want to like numb their mind so what i'm saying is it's the opposite extreme to the being our souls our souls are not in this world to be alone there's nothing wrong with being alone the issue is narcissism is being alone and being the black hole <laughs> just a vortex for and just take and, and zapping energy from the world what, what, what is the person what I'm saying is that they're too much of a bee in other words at least with the bee there's an actual thing that it's achieving but they just go into a system for the sake of being in a system so they're not they're not there because I, I'm, I'm, 
being purposely vague because narcissism is such a strong element. Every generation, uh-huh. every generation has its generational challenge. I mean, for, I'll give you an example. The, the, the Torah talks about idolatry. There was a a time in the world where serving a a stone, an idol made of stone, was as much of a desire as people have for money today. Now, we all are intelligent enough to know that a stone didn't create us. Whatever you believe, I don't think anyone in this room believes that a stone created them and would worship a stone as a creator. Though there was a time period that that was commonplace. Today, our generational challenge, there's a couple of challenges, but the great I think the great challenge is narcissism. And so I'm being purposely vague because that is, we're talking about a challenge that that we universally face. And since we universally face it, on an individual level, it's going to look different as far as a rectification to different people. Different forms of narcissism. Yes. Thank you for explaining. Um, the the other thing was when you were saying about the four souls and the four types of life. Mm-hmm. Is there also the divine soul as a fifth soul? Well, it's 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 really there's really only two souls. We're talking about within the an, the animal soul, so to speak. There's different levels of of the animal soul. There's really only an animal soul and a divine soul. So we're talking about aspects of the animal soul. Just to to be clear, yeah. Thank you for that clarification, for asking me that. Thank you for explaining. You're going to have to think more about it, because I thought I had it worked out, but obviously I don't. Thank you for explaining. Um, And the other other one was to do with them right at the beginning, when you were saying about intelligence and communication, it, it sounded like the same thing, but I think they're actually different things because you can be intelligent and not very communicative. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for that differentiation. I agree with you. Thank Chava. you. Good morning. Good morning. So my mind is blown. I love it when my I have these mind-blowing moments in class with you. I should say my mind has been blown open. So for when, when we do the honoring of the day of passing the art site mm-hmm. every year, is the, are we saying then, is that a moment where a soul is could be transitioning from one form to another form, like rock to a bee or bee to a person? You ready? I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. <laughs> yes. What? And Whoa. most probably it's going to only be the first yard site. And then okay. the soul will go higher and higher. But each yard site will mark some kind of progression of the soul. Wow. Thank you so much for this amazing nugget. I um, like it. That just took on a whole new meaning to me. This day of honoring. And that's wow. why it's so important for us, the living, to spend that time and to honor. Besides, for the fact that we miss them dearly, and we want to honor them, and we want to make sure to 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 have a day that of the day of their passing that we can we can we can we can honor them. Like the selfish part of that. But there's also the them that we're honoring, and that them is their soul elevating to another level, a higher level. That's incredible. So, so when we when we do things like we dedicate our study one day mm-hmm. to a soul that we love, those are things that will aid them in their soul travels. Correct. We're giving it spiritual energy that we're able to do through our own free choice that will help them in their soul travels. Incredible. Okay, thank you. Yes.
Um, I had a question, Rabbi, relating to the conversation you just had with Julian. Um, you said we're dealing with the animal soul uh, and not soul when we're talking about these reincarnations. The question I have is, how do we know uh, the godly soul, you know, godly soul isn't an other creation, you know, other observed creations like we were given the but uh maybe they were given a different torah by hashem so it's, it's a good it's a good question and i just to there's a lot to unpack in that question i'll just give you the 30 second or less answer though i think we can we can explore it further later and that is that the the animal soul is very much connected to this world so if we talk about connection and rectification and purpose in this world it's going to be directly connected to the animal soul because that is the natural it's called the nefesh tv it's the natural soul it's the soul that is native to this world where the the godly soul is not native to this world so it's the animal soul that we are uplifting correcting and building as part of our purpose in this world. That's my 30 second or less answer. There's obviously much deeper elements to it that we can discuss in future time. And also, I guess in the physical world, um, I'm not going into the 10 Sfirot, uh, but let's say just Chesed and Gvura. Mm-hmm. Um, that containment and that love um, is you observe it in in Hashem's creation, you know the uh, you know in the physics and 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 you know water is contained mm-hmm. water flows, but water is contained in a vessel. So there are um, that's the awe part to me is like you actually. It's not only a spiritual part of me, but um, it's beyond. I don't know how to explain it better than it's a question, but I'm not maybe not explaining it well. But it's like a metaphysical. Mm-hmm. I, um, I don't understand completely. Yeah, there's a meta component and there's a physical component, and um, we we understand gvura, we understand chesed. Um on a on a multi and and there will be different levels of understanding them so yes on a basic level and then there's obviously as the soul has many layers there'll be different layers and different ways of understanding them yeah right anyways i i don't know if that was i don't know what that was a question a comment or just an observation okay somebody private messaged me a couple of questions so here's the first one does that mean that animal soul stays in our realm? Like if we go to the cemetery, part of the soul is there? Yes. Yes, um, that's why we try to stay away from the cemetery within the first year because a lot more of the soul is there and it could be very painful to the person who passed because they can't give you a hug. So we try to stay away from the for, for the first year as much as possible. But yes, there will always be some remainder of that animal soul because the animal soul is connected to this world. Uh, another question, uh, in previous class, we were discussing that if a person who did not complete part of the mission, this part of the soul will incarnate and come back as a different person. How does your example of bees fit with this concept? So it could come back as a different person, as a different animal, as a different vegetation or a different inanimate, not only as a person. So I'm expanding that conversation that we had about coming back to not only the medaber, the human soul, but also the animal soul, the vegetative soul, and the inanimate soul. Somebody else asked, many rivers to the same destination, but where's the destination? Destination is purpose and the reason why your soul came into this world. Every single soul is unique. Every soul has a purpose in this world, a reason why the soul came into this world. The purpose existed before your soul. Your soul was introduced into this world to fulfill 
the purpose for which it came into this world, which means that the, the issue that it's going to rectify in this world existed, and now your soul is the best soul who can do this work. No soul before you, no soul after you, and no soul during your lifetime has the same unique purpose as you do. Every single one of us has a unique purpose. Rabbi, where does the animal soul, where do the animal souls go? At, you know, where does all of that go? Where does it go? The animal soul goes um, in the ground. It's not, it's, it's, it's a soul. It gets recycled. Yes, it's a soul. It goes to the soul recyclers. But at the end of the day, time goes on forever. I mean, what happens to it in the long run? Like where? In the long run, they serve their purpose and then they they finish their purpose, and that's the end of it. Aren't, aren't they part of a shem too? But to in in relation to this world, yes. But like we we're saying. Uh, in relation to this world, but we're saying last class or or two classes ago about when you're innovating, it's good. You you, you see the good in it. It's part of, uh, I guess it's our mission in this world. But um, there there's a, an importance beyond why we're here that it exists otherwise the answer to that question i asked last uh, two classes ago would be don't eat from the tree of good and evil do you understand my question there but the the don't eat from the tree of good and evil is theoretic is a theoretical but practically when you eat from the tree of good and evil then choice exists so no, that's exactly choice, choice good... only exists in relation to this world Okay, I don't, I don't think, I don't fully we're, follow. We're, what I'm saying here we're, we're looking, we're looking at it through two different points of view. You're looking at it through the point of view of beyond this world. I'm looking. No, at I'm the, trying to look at it from the point of view of Hashem. What, what his ultimate goal with all this matter he created will end up being. One of the one of the great ethical questions when it comes to these kind of things is: Can God create a stone that He can't lift? No, or I don't know. You, you can't. You can't say that. If God is unlimited, then God has to be able to do anything, and God may be also able to create a stone that He can't lift. I mean, we're, we're going into a, a completely different conversation. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop here because it's yeah. a long. Okay, <laughs> it is a long. Kate, welcome to the class. You have a question. Thank you, Rabbi. Um, you mentioned that uh, free will, you defined it as the ability to choose which of the souls we want to tap into. And I was hoping that you might say a little bit more about that, about how we exercise our capacity. So free, free will is really all that we have. I'll give you an example of that. You can't control the pain, but you can control the suffering. So often we try to control things in our lives that we can't control, but we miss the things that we can control. We can control our reaction. We can control our response. We can control the time that we spend and who we spend it with. We can control what we do. For example, it's all of our choice to be here right now. It's free choice. You 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 freely came here, and at any moment you can press a button and you won't be here anymore. It's completely your choice to be here right now. And so that is a very powerful, powerful experience. But we can't, you can't choose what I'm gonna say. You can choose what you listen to, you can choose your reaction to what I say. You can choose how often your mind will wander during this class, but you can't choose the direction, the choice of someone else. That was my 30 second or less answer. There's a much, obviously there's much more to it. I hope that helped. 
I am open to whatever you have to share. So, Kate, since this is your first uh, class in person, why don't you start the golden nuggets? Give us a golden nugget and then you can pass it uh, on to someone else. Thank you. Um, thank you for letting me be here today. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to all, all of you for uh, allowing me into your class. Um, I've been listening to y'all on the podcast for a while now, and so your voices are familiar to me. Um, and so it's nice to put faces with those voices. Um, so I think my nugget was probably thinking about free will and then also thinking about the human being as uh, the speaking creature or uh, the the creature capable of using symbolic uh, representational language and how that would differentiate, truly differentiate, you know, the human from, you know, these other, like one of these things is not like the others, you know, and you can kind of see a, a gradation of the development of consciousness or the development of energy or matter or in soul, you know, soul uh, among, you know, the, amongst the inanimate, the vegetative and the animal, the, you know, that there's a similar, there's more of a similarity, but this symbolic representational nature that humans are capable of is something truly different. And, you know, that that is, you know, this, di this divine. I mean, I think that that was really, you know, a beautiful and interesting. And so thank you so much. Thanks, Kate. Do you want to pass it on to someone else? Uh, Jill. Thanks, Kate, and welcome. Um, Thank you. So I, I, I think my nugget had to kind of bounced from my questions the uh, that whole evolution thing, and you know our theory and the theory that I've understood and believed. Um, and the possibility there's another theory and there's another answer when I will probably never really know until I, my the physical body is not here any longer. But I love that you helped open my mind a little bit around that, that, that topic. So that's my takeaway from today. Um, I'll pass it to Kelsey. Thank you, Jill, and welcome, Kate. I think today that my nugget has to do with the bees. I don't think I'll ever look at a bee the same again, or a rock. <laughs> um, and then I think I also needed the reminder of what we can control. So thank you. And I will pass to Cheryl. Thanks, Kelsey. And welcome, Kate. I have, I have several nuggets and I'll make them short. Kate, what I got from you was with the, with the souls communicating with each, our body souls as humans and our communication ability and how much higher we feel like we are on the food chain, so to speak. Now, here's something I'm thinking about. Do rocks talk to bees? And do trees talk to rocks? I want to know if they have a communication. So that's one little nugget. It's just something for me to think about. And then Celeste, my Chava, when your mind was blown, mine was too, about when we dedicate and do a yard site for a loved one. And following that, whoever said, is there a soul left or a part of a soul left at the cemetery? I purposely don't go to the cemetery to visit my parents' grave because I talk to them spiritually. I don't feel that they're in the ground. But now you've given me food for thought. So now I don't know. But thanks for letting me think about it. Uh, Marianne. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Um, well, I, I'd like to, um, uh, to go back to this, uh, to your conversation, Sherry and Hava, and um, two or three nuggets, going to be short. Um, first, it was very poetic today. I mean, as a language and, uh, and, uh, 
and the things with the bees and everything. So um, a very poetic language. And uh, for the yard side, um, <clears throat> for me, I was really, really blown away. And um, two, and I think that um, it gives us, it just, it gives me hope. And uh, at the yard side, I always try to do what I what I can for the one I loved and still love. And it's a beautiful way of helping the soul, their soul to get even in another. So I'm just, it gives, it gives me even more um, contact with them. It's really great with the yard side. Thank you eh, for, uh, for raising this question. And then um, I really love it when you say there is no eternal damnation, which, um, which, I do believe, but it's just giving hope to the human being to be a good human being in this life or after, but just it gives just another, uh, I mean, no eternal damnation means that you can always be a good person if you want, because there is a free will. So, uh, well, uh, well, thank you. So, <laughs> uh, one of those... Uh, um who is going let me let me check excuse me um uh gina for example hi everyone thank you rabbi um i am thinking about also the bees and i have sort of a nugget sort of a question i don't know if we're still in that open period but last night rabbi i don't know if you know um personally or just of Rav Pinson. I heard him speak last night and he was talking a lot about colors and shapes and the Kabbalah behind those things. And if we're trying to draw down a certain sphera into our life, like Chesed, for example, we should picture that and meditate on it and do a few other things. But I'm thinking about the bee because I wonder if there's sort of like a a physical um, replication that we might do while we're still here in our bodies, not not considering that we're like lacking chesed and so we're going to come back as a bee because we need that. We need to be givers, but if we need it now, should we should we try to act like bees? The answer simply is yes. And then what does that mean? Yes. (laughs) If, if, If we use the animal kingdom as metaphors to help us be better, then it, it elevates the animal kingdom. That's why. And the Talmud goes through so many, uh, different animals and what we learn from them we learn uh um obedience from a dog we learn um modesty from a cat it goes through each and every animal so so they are the animals do exist as metaphors for us to become better cool so i will take i'll take that as my nugget our surroundings can uh teach us a lot of things and i will pass it to alana Hi, good morning. So I have a crazy feeling that you and the bees are trying to teach me something because Wednesday night I went to uh, a talk at Dorsche Emmett Synagogue with a beekeeper all about bees and how they communicate and work together and produce all this honey. And then yesterday there was um, a truck that was carrying beehives from one place to the other and they uh, lost its load, and there were millions and billions of bees in Ontario, and they were getting the bees to go back into their um, boxes. So they definitely communicate with one another and lead each other back in. And then today, all this talk about bees sounds like I, it's totally strange to me. So it must be telling me something. Um, and I really appreciate um, that you always talk about our job 
and that our job is to learn and to grow and very much focused in the here and now. And also, we didn't say it expressly, but it is the month of Elul. And this is really the time where, where we do our, we'll call it soul work and Heshbon Hanefesh. So I don't know, today really came together for me in that way. So thank you. Um, hi, Mom. It's your turn. Hi, welcome Kate, and thank you, Rabbi. I think um, <laughs> so. A couple of things. I guess I'm going to call them nuggets. But I'm looking around my room, and as Hava knows, I have many crystals that are beautiful and extremely complex in, in their nature. Um, and that I can tell that over time, what it took to create these unusual, um, beautiful, and um, I'm not gonna call them rocks because even if they are rocks. So I see a complexity and a beauty there. So um, I have to think about that for a while. I think maybe some of them are more evolved than the others. I don't know, maybe. Um, the other thing is that one day I would really like to sit and talk to everybody about free will. And I know this is a no-no, but I have questions about free will and um, what will is actually constructed of and how a decision comes to pass and then how we choose to um, take that decision and perform action. So um, for me, the free will question is still, I'm going to have to say, up in the air. Hope I didn't offend anybody there. Um, but for me, it's, going, it's an ongoing discussion that I've had with Hava many times and hopefully can discuss it again in this group. But thank you so much because... Um, yeah, I think bees and ants, there's many things that I wish I could just send some people I know right back. So thank you very much. Um, and who's down there, Julian? Thank you. Um, uh, welcome, Kate. And I had two or three things going around my mind. Um, one, the first one is um, I was slightly confused by this idea that the animal soul comes to an end because I thought that when the resurrection of the dead occurs after the Messiah, that the animal soul will come back then because the person's physical and spiritual components will be reunited. So therefore it's logical the animal soul must survive um, and not just recycle, but return. Um, uh, the, uh, the second area, I, I don't know if I'm going too fast. The, the, the second area is um, people were talking about evolution, both in the chat and verbally. And the way that I look upon it is that we can't limit God. Whatever conception, whatever perception, however we look at God, it will not be accurate. It's com God's completely and utterly beyond anything we could possibly understand. And therefore, to see God and evolution as competing theories of creational existence is actually to limit God and rather evolution is part of God's plan and method because there's two words for creation. I think it's beray to create from nothing. I don't know if it's the right Hebrew term. And then the other one is to create from something that already exists, to reform or, or to form. And that's Yitzira. And so 
my understanding is that as humans, we are reformed from animals, and that's the evolution. But God directed that behind the scenes. In other words, it's not that there's no God and it just happened, but it's what they call divinely guided evolution. Um, uh, and I, I guess the Big Bang would be the creation from nothing, where there was nothing before it. But evolution is more like sculpting from something that already existed. Um, and then um, the third area I was hoping I would have clear before going to it, but it was by saying the first two, the idea was to clear my mind to see if something more came. But I think I'm still taking it in. So unfortunately, I can't tell you if I had any other thoughts that they've not become clear. But those are the thoughts that I'm aware of. Um, so um, I'm, uh, I don't, I'm going to see who is there to pass it on to, unless the rabbi wanted to. You have Chava. You have Maor. If I may, this time I'm going to pick Chava, but in the next time I've got the same two people, I might pick Maor. <laughs> This time, Chava, <laughs> but next time, Maya. <laughs> uh, thank you, Julian. I love how you um, consider everyone's feelings in those choices. I think that's awesome. Um, thank you. Uh, I I think everybody knows my nugget. <laughs> and I'm kind of having these moments of viewing the, the tree of life um, in a way that's holographic meaning. So when my soul leaves my body, um, do, are there people in another realm in a world that I don't know exists having my yard site at that moment as my soul leaves this body in this physical world. So I'm kind of, um, I'm in a mystic, uh, realm right now. And thank you rabbi for that for breakfast, because it's the best kind of breakfast. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mayor, would you like to share? Yeah, um, I guess my takeaway, or uh, is that when I when we look at nature, we uh, we need to understand that we're looking at it from an imperfect, uh, you know, we're limited, and there's a great humility uh, that an observer needs to have when trying to understand this universe. So when we when we're looking at it from a scientist scientist perspective, that's one lens. When we're looking at it from a spiritual perspective, that's another lens. And and we're looking at it from our own perspective. Uh, we really don't see it from a perfect point of view. And I think that's important to remember. So, thank you, everyone. Rima didn't go. Oh, Rima, sorry. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, that was a very interesting class. Uh, it gets me back to thinking, uh, what an amazing world we live in. Uh, as always, the lesson is to strive to be better. Interesting point you made, Rabbi, about the uh, yard side and how the soul is elevated. We knew, but with every yard side, the soul is elevated. And thinking about high holidays, the ISCOR service must have must make a difference uh, here as well. Uh, with our souls, animal soul versus divine soul. We all have animal souls, everything. Uh, every alive thing, and apparently every knot, uh, every stone has a soul. That's interesting. To me, the, the goal is to work on the divine soul and get better every day. That's that's it. Thank you.
I just think that if this class just made us a little more sensitive to the world around us, then we did good. And as Alana said, Elul, it's a time of uh, reflection and a time to 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 be fortunate for what we have and also to think about the year past and the year forward and and what we can do to change and, and make this world better. But um, which is the acronym for Elo, I am my, to my beloved as my beloved is to me. There's so many different beloveds and the world is full of many different beautiful things. And if we can just become sensitive, a little more sensitive and a little more compassionate, then I think we've done a good job. With that, I wish you a wonderful week. Next week will be the final in this series on reincarnation. And we're going to move on still within the afterlife. We're going to move on to another um, conversation about memory. But this, but next week will be the last in this series on reincarnation. So with that, we will move on to Talmud for those of you who are staying. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Thank Have a good you. Day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Great. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye bye. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.